Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris. I'm a filmmaker, comedian, and county fair winner for Biggest Watermelon 2011. I know that's not true, but I wish it was. (laughs) I can have dreams even if they're in the past. Yes, so true. So in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we're taking a look at the films of 2007. And in this episode, we're going with my personal pick. And this was a tough one for me to choose because when we were first talking about what year to cover in this season, I was pushing for 2007 because there are so many good movies that were released this year. And so when I had to pick which one do I want to talk about, I had a lot of different options. And I think... Jason, you were actually encouraging me to pick this one over some of my other picks because it's a movie that maybe is not as well known or doesn't get as much respect. And that is Noah Baumbach's Margot at the Wedding. Yeah, it's definitely fallen through the cracks, even for Baumbach fans, I think, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. And especially because the movies he made afterwards, I think, got a lot more acclaim and a lot more attention that this is looked at as maybe a bit of an anomaly uh, in his career. And we can get to that much later in our in our legacy talk but um I loved this movie at the time that it came out it was definitely on my top 10 list for the year and I wrote a four-star review of it in Las Vegas Weekly and I was a big fan having been a big fan of other Bombach films I went in being excited to see this movie and feeling satisfied when I did now four stars out of how many oh out of 15 uh, out of five four stars out of five (laughs) yeah um I like this movie too I this one kind of fell through for me I didn't see it in the theater yeah but I'm a big Bombach fan right right um you know and Squid and the Whale which is the one that you know he kind of broke through with yeah which was the movie that came out before this man I love that film so I hadn't seen this until years later on DVD or HBO or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I liked it, but I had a very different viewing experience this time. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. But yeah, this movie did have a lot of expectations because The Squid and the Whale was so highly acclaimed, Oscar nominated, and people were really interested in what Bombach would do next. And I think a lot of those people ended up being a little disappointed in Margot at the Wedding. It was not a box office success. It grossed $2.9 million worldwide on a budget of $10 million. So, I mean, it's a small budget film, but that's still, that's a bad number. Yeah, it probably made its money back on cable and DVD. Hopefully it did, but it definitely wasn't viewed as a financial success. Uh, it only had a 52% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's as of like yesterday. Um, so maybe including some later reviews, but mixed to negative, a lot of the reviews were. It did uh, get on some critics' top 10 lists, including, as I said, on mine, and some minor award nominations, most notably Jennifer Jason Lee was nominated for Best Supporting Female at the Independent Spirit Awards, but she did not win. So not anything like what The Squid and the Whale had done just a couple years earlier. Or Greenberg a couple years later. Right, exactly. And that's why I think it's this anomaly. So uh, mixed, I think, is the right word for the reviews. Even when I was going through these on Rotten Tomatoes, the positive ones were mildly positive in a lot of ways. And some of the negative ones had a lot of positive things to say. Uh, Michael Phillips in the Chicago Tribune, he said, many is the reviewer who has told writer director Bombach to try therapy, not filmmaking and to start writing some characters people can root for or relate to or something. I mean, that's what the rest of the movie going year is for. Bombach's achievement stings. It also has the sureness of tone and direction of a Chekhov story. 
I suppose if Bombach had found a way to open some sort of window for Margot near the end while keeping her core narcissism intact, then Margot at the wedding might have been even better than it is. But I'll take it as it is. And it is full of unlikable characters. Yeah, but I mean, that's such a BS criticism. Well, I mean, I think he's 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 defends it. I know. Yeah. But I mean, even on the Rotten Tomatoes situation, like one of the quotes was like, these characters are too unlikable, you know, and right. uh, you know, uh, if you ever, if you are interested in screenwriting, uh, script notes is a great podcast. And, uh, Craig Mazin, who, um, let's, let's give him his due credit Chernobyl this year. Yeah. You know, hugely writing. popular, but also the writer of uh, a movie we mentioned in our last episode directed by Seth Gordon identity. Thief. Right. So, um, you know, he often, he often rallies against this idea that you have to make the characters likable. And I agree, man, as long as they're interesting and you can invest in them, they don't have to be likable. Right. And, um, but it is true. These are not likable characters. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think the point is the characters have to be interesting. And I think it's a lot harder to make characters interesting when they're not likable. I think Bombach is one of the best at making unlikable characters interesting. And that's Mm -hmm. what he does in this movie. But it was a very common criticism. Uh, Moira McDonald in the Seattle Times said, Bombach pulls us in close to the characters, yet never is able to interest us in these brittle people's fates. The look of the film is self-consciously blurry and unappealing, with even the waterfront setting looking as chilly as the iced wine Margot's constantly sipping. Ultimately, you'll wish you could get on that ferry long before the characters finally do. Hey, McDonald. (laughs) Let me talk to you, McDonald. Yeah. (laughs) I think you missed the entire point of, one, the way it was supposed to look, and to the emotional resonance it was supposed to have. Right. Disagree, McDonald. I disagree with you. Yeah, I, I also disagree. I think the look of it and the fact that it is dreary while they're at the seaside is a big point of the movie, is a it, reflection of the characters. Exactly. It matches literally the entire tone of the film. And also, uh, late in the film, there's an incident where uh, Margot's husband has come and they're driving along and there's a dog on the side of the road that got hit. And, you know, because of its dark dreariness, that kind of becomes a little more immediate than if it was like all bright and sunny out and whatnot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the look of this movie is very, I mean, she says it's, it's self-consciously done and I think it is, but not in a bad way. I think he really thought about how this movie would look and, and executed that well. Right. Dave, would you look up the DP? I know that they use like old lenses and kind of they definitely wanted it to look um like you said it's it's not a beautiful seaside it's a it's a long island um emotional death toll yeah, this, is not, this is not a place you go to like hang out at the beach right. harris savides oh um, harris savides yeah, yeah he's a great Great he's a great he's a great, great cinematographer. I was thought I didn't want to I thought Dave had something else to say. Oh no no no. no. What yeah, else is no, he, he uh, shot? Him. He did uh uh Zodiac uh Whoa. 7 What a year for him. Zodiac yeah, and uh Yeah, uh, American Gangster, uh Woody Allen's whatever works. Uh Sofia Coppola's Somewhere and The Bling Ring. Yeah, also those Dick are Greenberg. Yeah. incredibly well shot movies. Right. So it's like, them. what do you think? He just like fumbled the ball on this one? I here? mean, some people may think that. Um, or not. maybe not that he fumbled the ball, but that he executed a vision that they didn't think worked. Yeah, I, I do think it worked. And, yeah. Uh, man, 2007, that in Zodiac to shoot that. In- uh, yeah, that is an amazing year for him. An amazing year for movies. Zodiac was, as I was mentioning earlier, one of the movies that I thought, uh, yeah, I know it's an awesome year. That's what you were about to say. <laughs> yeah. um, Zodiac, one of the movies that I thought of picking for this episode. 
so Kenneth Turan in the LA Times said, though Margot at the Wedding has its share of bleak humor, in many ways it is an easier film to admire than to actually enjoy. But its saving grace is that, as envisioned by Bombach and brought to life by Kidman, Margot is a character we can never completely dismiss or totally not care about. Something that's said about one of her fictional creations, he's a loathsome character, but we also feel a strange sympathy for him, applies in full measure to the woman herself. Uh, I don't know if I felt any sympathy for her, but I didn't need to feel any sympathy for her. She is a, a brute of a woman, shall she we She is, say. but I think I did feel sympathy. I mean, all of the characters, as we keep saying, are very unlikable, but I yes. think he finds elements to them that are sympathetic, where you can see the emotional damage that's been done to them that makes them into these unlikable people. Yeah, but we see the effects of it, but we don't know how it happened. Right, we don't, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does well is it tells you just what you need to know to get without over explaining things um so uh self uh centeredly i figured i would throw in an extra review from one josh bell of las vegas Weekly. well how, um, do, how do sir exactly <laughs> uh so i in 2007 said uh, as uncomfortable an experience as the film often is, it's never less than fascinating and shows how easily seemingly harmless jabs and white lies can mount up into a lifetime of barely concealed bitterness. There's a sort of catharsis at the end, but it's not nearly as pure or as optimistic as the one at the end of The Squid and the Whale. And there's the inevitable sinking feeling that none of these people have learned anything or matured emotionally in any way. Yet that's Bombach's painful truth, and here he distills it more sharply and devastatingly than he ever has. Hey, Bell. <laughs> you listening, Bell? Yeah, I am listening, I actually. Some, I got something to say to you, Bell. Yeah. That's a good review. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember at the time going into this movie, having already heard negative things and thinking, I'm going to be disappointed. I love The Squid and the Whale. I love even his previous movies, Kicking and Screaming is awesome. And I thought, I'm going to be let down here. And I really wasn't. Kicking and Screaming is a great lost uh Lost gem of the '90s. If you haven't seen it, it's a it's a, about a a group of college graduates and who don't know what to do with their life as they graduate. Almost like the epitome of what the '80s teen comedies were in high school to the mid '90s. Yeah, like those those guys grew up and realized that they don't have anything going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as I've said and I'll continue to say, Bombach is amazingly talented and one of my favorite filmmakers. I agree. I agree. I don't. There has not been, I mean, what, what was the one? Mr. Jealousy. I guess that's yeah. the most uh, mainstream one. And then there's a lost one that I have never yeah, seen. Yeah, uh, Highball, which is very, very bad. Um, in part because he had no resources to make it. It looks like a student film that was made for $5, which is almost what it was. But uh, yeah, but otherwise, I think he's just, he's great. And since this movie has gone on to just become even greater, and we'll talk about that right. later. Well, so so, so you're so kicking the screaming, and then there's this long break, and then Squid and the Whale was a 2000. I think it was 2005, maybe 2005. Just, yeah, okay. so it was it was just a couple years before. And this. also, he was uh, still he was uh, very acclaimed for the stuff he was writing with Wes Anderson. At yeah, he worked on The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and one other Wes Anderson movie. I think that they co-wrote together. Um, yeah, so that's a little look at that. Any other background details that you wanted to mention? Um, you know, it was shot on location in Long Island and around areas, um, you know, by the sea, by the bay, whatever it right. was. Yeah. Um, so there were, there were, um, you know, that was real, real setting that I think really worked, um, in favor of this film. Yeah, I agree. And I think going back to what, uh, that review said about the look of it, that the locations and 
the way it's shot. It, it all feeds into the way that the story is told and the depictions of the characters. Hamptons, Long Island, Shelter Island. Uh, the script originally called Nicole at the Beach. Once Nicole Kidman signed on, they changed it. Right, they had to the change that, that title. Uh, yeah, so we'll get into a little more of our general thoughts on Margot at the Wedding when we come right back. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. And in this episode of our season on the films of 2007, we're talking about my personal pick, Noah Baumbach's Margot at the Wedding, which obviously I'm a fan of. But Jason, I know when we were discussing what to talk about on this season, you were really encouraging me to use this one as my pick. I think so. In the same way, um, season one, um, where we were doing 1994 and I chose Cabin Boy over Shawshank Redemption, it was part of the idea that you had said was, well, everybody knows Shawshank. Right. right. So I know Zodiac was probably your other final. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think my number one film of 2007 when I did a top 10 list, which is great. It is. But I think so few people know about this as compared to Zodiac that I think we're uh, hopefully going to get some new eyeballs on this movie because it is worth watching. And um, like I said, I liked it the first time. I liked it this time, but it was a very difficult watch for me this time. It is a difficult movie to watch. Um, and I can imagine uh, knowing some of your family dynamics. Why? But if you want to, yeah. what, what was it about this movie right. that really I, spoke to you this and time? To, and and I, I'll be honest with you. like I had to take breaks. That's how angst-filled it made me. So there's a, the, uh, Margot has a very manipulative relationship with her son, Claude. And... Uh, Let's just say I relate to that quite well, you know, and uh, just seeing the way she was able to utilize whatever mind game she wanted to get what she wanted from her son. It, it hit very close to home and was really, really hard for me to watch. And um, that really speaks to how well executed Bombac did this. And uh, Nicole Kidman, one of her uh, career great performances in here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, it doesn't have as much personal resonance for me, but certainly it is a difficult movie to watch. Uh, just every moment in this movie is uncomfortable. And, you know, her manipulation, she, she works it in every relationship she has, right? She's kind of horrible as a person. Like, I don't know if there, do you find anything redeeming about her? Well, she's I, a good writer. Yeah, I mean, she is. A, she's apparently a good writer, although we don't, she's a successful writer. We don't hear any of what she's actually written. But uh, yeah, to, to do the setup a little, Margot played by Nicole Kidman. She's the estranged sister of Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Pauline, who lives at the seaside. And uh, Margot and her son, Claude, played by Zane Pace, are coming to the wedding where Pauline is getting married to Malcolm, uh, played by Jack Black. And a lot of family stuff comes up over the course of this weekend. And there is no wedding in this movie. No wedding occurs. <laughs> no, It's Margot at the days before the wedding. Right, so. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that this is one of Kidman's best performances. I think every actor in this movie just really, really hits it out of the park, uh, just does an amazing job. I agree. Jennifer Jason Lee, we know she's always she's always great, right? But if you're like Jack Black, right? You, right. It's so... Um, it's offbeat casting. Yeah. And man, this is this is great. You yeah. did great, Jack Black. I'd like to see more of this from you. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is something that I, I noticed that I had said in my initial review, and I think it's true, is that the fact that we expect a certain thing from Jack Black gets you to kind of give that character the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, he's a funny Jack Black guy. And then he's just as horrible as everyone else. 
Yeah, he is. But also, I think, you know, we're so used to that geeky machismo he has. And he just drops that facade. You know, he's he's so insecure and um, just uh, needing of approval of other people. It's it's a really good performance. I think. It and is. The, and the kids are all good. In the this kids show. are all good, too. Yeah. Um, Zane Pace says or who has name I'm probably mispronouncing as as Claude and Flora Cross, who plays um, Pauline's daughter, his cousin, Ingrid. Uh, Ingrid yeah. And then uh, Haley Pfeiffer, who plays Maisie, the babysitter slash daughter of Margot's lover. Dick Kuzman. Dick Kuzman, which is a great, great yeah, a character ski- name. <laughs> yeah, a skeezy name for a guy you're going to have an affair with, right? <laughs> yes, played by Kieran Hines. I mean, amazing cast. Kieran Hines, John Turturro, who plays Margot's husband. He's so good in everything. Yeah, he is. I mean, every and as I was watching this movie uh, again, obviously I remembered Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee, but I had forgotten some of those people. So as they were coming up, it, I, I was, was thinking, oh, hey, look, it's John Turturro. How, what an amazing cast this movie has just in every little part. Right. And, you know, they really get the um, resonance, the emotional one-upsmanship of who needs to one-up the other one constantly. Like right away, you know, uh, Claude asks uh, Margot, you know, when they're going to the wedding, he says, you know, about Pauline, I thought she wasn't speaking to you. And Margot says, no, I wasn't speaking to her, but right. I'm over it. So like she makes it about her yes. no matter what at all yes. times. Yes, yes, she does. She definitely does. And and everyone, again, I think this is a movie where you think at the beginning, okay, Margot is clearly unlikable. So we're going to contrast her with Pauline, who is likable. But no, Pauline is just as bad. No, she's pretty bad, you know. Oh, what should I tell you? Uh, what's new with me? Seems I'm pregnant. I haven't told my fiance yet or anything. Right. Or my daughter. And and please don't don't say anything. And yeah, I mean, Margot is the most outwardly cruel, maybe, because she has this tendency to just say what's on her mind, even if it's a horrible thing to say. She also needs the most attention. You know, that's part of it. She needs to be the center of attention at yeah. all the time. Um, there's a scene where Margot, where they're all hiking and Margot and Pauline are broken off and they're talking about their wild 20s. And, you know, I slept with this many guys. And, you know, Pauline says, Well, I slept with a lot of guys too then. And, you know, Margot says, Should we count to see like who had slept with more dudes during their wild period? And even Pauline at that point is like, No, Margot, I don't want to count. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I think you you mentioned though, when is when might Margot be sympathetic or what is there something that that allows you to care about her emotionally. And one thing that really, really struck me is a scene early in the movie where Margot has just shown up and she and Pauline are sitting on the couch and they're kind of reminiscing and they're laughing about the fact that their father used to beat them. And and that their sister was raped by a horse trainer. Yeah. And so you can see that they've all experienced this horrible trauma in their lives and that's what screwed them up. And I think you can, you can take that moment and keep it in the back of your mind as you watch the rest of the movie and remember that, yeah, these are terrible people, but they've also had these terrible childhoods and they've been abused and mistreated and that's why they've ended up this way. You know, it's a, it is an interesting point you bring up because I really like, I mean, look, they made a scene about sexual abuse funny, right? Right. You can't really do that very often. Yeah. And they also made it so like, hey, this is a part of their life, but we don't have to focus on this the entire movie. So much so that uh, Pauline responds in that conversation with, uh, the. She, he says, you know, it's terrible what happens to these kids. And Malcolm, Jack Black's character, he, she says, Malcolm was uh, 
touched by uh, his babysitter. And Malcolm just goes, yeah, I guess just use that information however you want. Right. He's right. like, well, it's family. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. They, they have no boundaries, any of them. And, and yet Pauline is very mad at Margot for having used their family history in her fiction Writings. writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and which, of course, is a potential critique of a self-critique of Noah Baumbach, who has used a lot of his own personal experience in his films, especially in The Squid and the Whale, uh, reflective of his parents' divorce, I think. Right. And, you know, Marriage Story, the newest Baumbach movie, is all about his personal experiences uh, being married to Jennifer Jason Lee and their split up. Right. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, at this point, of course, they were still together, obviously is an important artistic collaborator. I mean, she's not credited here uh, as she is on Greenberg with helping uh, construct the story, but I can't imagine he made this movie without her input. I mean, this is a movie that's all about women and their relationships to each other that's written and directed by a man. And I'm sure that she had a lot of influence on how he created this movie. I think so. One of the things I'd say that's a little more redeeming about uh, Pauline than Margot is she seems like a better mother. Margot is just a brutal mother. To she have. is. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. And then this movie really, the central relationship in this movie, more even than between Margot and Pauline, I think is between Margot and Claude and yeah. their weird codependence. I mean, you feel bad for the kid. Like, I mean, he just knows what he knows and that's a very small world for a, for a kid. And uh, she's just horrible to him constantly, you know, and it, it's in a way it's like to keep him closer and to make sure that he, he will devote himself to her um at the end of the movie there's this whole bit about these sunglasses that she bought him and that you know he he wanted so badly and uh he finally puts them on for her at the towards the end of the movie and she says your face is too wide for them or something right right she's been bugging him about why don't you wear these sunglasses that i bought you and yeah. then of course as soon as he does she has to insult him about it Oh, she's just the worst. It's horrible. It's hard for me to talk about. So I got to say, uh, I'm not going to say I was insulted like that, but I was definitely manipulated by my mother a lot and, and still am to this day. And I'm just going to be open and honest about that because that, that's what this podcast yes. is about. How, and in, the, in this way, how we're relating to this film very differently, but we both found um, horrible joy. <laughs> yeah, I mean I definitely I don't I don't think I can relate to this movie on a personal level per se. I think there's other Bombok movies that I felt like more resonated with me personally, but yeah, it's fascinating to see these relationships and I think in the way that Margot and Claude are interacting, you can see how that plants the seeds for how he might grow up and be a horrible person too. Right. Where where does the cycle stop? Right. You know? They're obviously not invested in stopping it. I mean, Margot no. mentions at one point that she's in therapy, but that is not working for her. <laughs> no, it's not. Which Bombag movie do you relate to? Do you think? I mean, I, I think I, I related to, to Greenberg maybe a little more. Such that, a that, that character, yeah. Um, or even, I mean, my personal favorite movie of, of his is Mistress America, which is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, I think that the idea in that movie of, of having youthful optimism and realizing it's maybe unwarranted is yeah. something that I relate to. Well, he also kind of tackles that theme in while we're young, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of his films have, have very relatable themes. And um, I personally relate to Francis Hodge just because I've danced down the streets of New York to David Bowie's modern. Love I bet you have <laughs> right after winning your watermelon award, right? <laughs> hey, if you're going to win, you might as well win in New York, baby. Sure. 
<laughs> hey, let's talk about some of these set pieces because yeah. that's another brilliant thing is like there are small set pieces that play really big into the stakes of the film. Uh, they, uh, there's a scene, they're all eating outside in the backyard and, uh, and Margot, being Margot, says about Pauline, um, you know, have you know to her fiance Malcolm? Have you noticed that she doesn't really make eye contact? She just looks like right above you at your forehead. And then she finishes with this line, which is a beauty. It's not necessarily a bad thing, right? right? So she just knows how to like just hit on every curve and every incisive word. So Pauline responds by you know reminding Margot that she used to be such a good tree climber. They have this huge tree in the backyard, and. This gets um, the whole family to egg Margot on to climb the tree, which becomes a, um, a huge deal because Margot, she can't say no to anything that will uh, deflate her ego just a bit. Yeah, and there's, this movie is so well edited. It's only 90 minutes long, but it gets you so much. And I feel like there are a lot of points where he cuts maybe a little before you would expect it to cut. Um, and it just makes the movie that much, makes the scene and the transition that much more emotionally impactful. And there's something like that in the, in the tree climbing scene too, which, cause like you said, she, she gets egged on, she climbs the tree and she's kind of triumphant that she's made it to the top. And then no one cares anymore. <laughs> no one They're cares all wandering away and she's kind of looking, uh, and realizing maybe that she's stuck. And then we cut to the fire department rescuing her. Yeah. Um, it's, and it just kind of even her triumphs are not triumphs as we find out later when she's doing her talk at the local bookstore moderated by Dick Kuzman, her lover. Yeah. And he is also terrible of course, and asks her this question in the talk that is completely inappropriate. Um, and she is just so flustered that she literally walks away. Isn't it inappropriate to ask that question to a writer while you're talking to the writer? I mean, I think it's one thing to say like, is there a reflection, uh, of your life in this and another thing to like get into specific details about the person's life that maybe they don't want to. Yeah. Particularly how much share. of this is, is really about is based on your, I don't know. It, it definitely comes off that way. And I think furthermore, even if uh, an objective observer would not have caught that because we know what Dick's relationship is to Margot and that they've been having this affair. Um, I think we get more out of it. And there's a, a part where she's decided she's going to leave her husband and she's going to be with Dick. And I believe it comes before with this talk where she says yeah, that to him. The thing. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stay. And it's this uh, clearly this momentous decision for her that she's going to leave her husband and she's going to stay uh, at the beach with Dick. And he basically says, why, why would you do that? I didn't ask you to do right, that. Right. Right. And it just guts her. And so you can tell that he in a way is probably taking pleasure in twisting the knife in her just as everyone is in this whole movie in, in the way they treat each other. Their relationship, it should be mentioned, goes back to their college days where they dated before uh, Margo and Jim, John Totoro's character, her husband. And I will say, even though he's only in it a little, you said like every character is horrible. He's a good character. He's like nice. He's redeeming. So. Yeah, he seems he does seem nice. He doesn't do anything horrible that we witness he, buys, he saves the dog he that, saves the dog he buys margo a pair of slippers that she's very ungrateful about yeah and and then there's this line that's like uh it's kind of amazing um so they're outside the animal hospital the dog's gonna live roger's gonna live i don't care about roger you know right and you know jim just uh, looks at her he takes his jacket off 
and he puts it around his wife, like trying to warm yeah, her. Yeah, she up. says she's cold, I think. No, no. He she, what she says is, I didn't even realize I was cold until you put this jacket oh, around okay, me. Yeah. Which is amazing. And she and then she's like, um, you know, she says basically like something along the lines of like, I would never have done something i would never have saved the dog like i hate you for making me feel bad about myself right even though all he did was a good thing it had yeah. nothing to do with her at all but man she's just ugh. yeah i mean she is bad and, and yeah at the same time i think maybe because i didn't have as much of a personal resonance with her i was able to feel more sympathy she's not likable but again they give you enough about her background and the family dynamic that i could feel like Maybe not everything is her fault. She's ended up this well, way. Well, like you said, yeah, I agree. But, um, you know, at what point does personal responsibility? Come well, sure, it does. I mean, they're all adults now and they, they need to be able to look back and say, we, could, we can try to be better than our parents and be better than the childhood trauma we experienced. And, and like I was saying before, Margo is in therapy or she says she's in therapy, but clearly she's not doing the right work right. in therapy. And, and without going into too much detail, you know, uh, that is reflective of my mother's situation. A lot of trauma in her life, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's been a rough ride, so. right? Yeah, so I I I know. But. Um, you know, let's talk. Uh, one other thing that I did want to talk about. Yeah, dude, this soundtrack. Come on, man! It's uh really these like weird singer songwriter tunes from like the seventies and early eighties, uh, including a great lost classic Romeo's tune by. Uh, by Steve Forber, Forber, Forbe, Forbear, Forber, I don't know, but Steve just Forber. just keep saying Forber. sounds. Forber. Forber. Yeah. it's a good song. I always like that song. Um, but I think it's cool that he really went with like these lesser known um, singer songwriters on this lesser, uh, glamorous location. You know, with all these, you know, where even Pauline says like you're famous, and she goes, "I'm," you know, "No, I'm not." Well, you're well known. Well, I guess to a small group of people. Right, or something. right, right. Yeah, she's uh, she's downplaying it. But yeah, the, the music is really good. And the look, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier when we were uh, reading reviews, but this movie looks exactly the way it's supposed to look. It doesn't look like a fun time at the beach, even though this is this beautiful old house and this quaint kind of uh, almost vacation-y place where people go. It doesn't look pleasant to be there. It's always overcast. The beach is kind of dirty and ugly. Uh, Neighbors are angry about the tree. Right. Yeah. Those those weird, almost like deliverance-esque neighbors who slaughter hogs in their underwear, which was an interesting, weird detail that comes up. Yeah. I think the dialogue is so good. So whip, like crack that whip with yeah. the humor and everything. Yeah. I mean, he's always great at writing dialogue. Yeah. So, you know, when, when Margo's at, Pauline's explaining what Malcolm does for a living. And he says she, he writes letters to, uh, to newspapers. Like he's very meticulous. He's a genius. Sometimes he'll spend a week writing a letter about a music review or so. Right. You know, yeah. As if that's a good thing. Right, right, right. And she's sort of like, I mean, she's marrying this guy, but she clearly doesn't seem to respect him. And yet at the same time, she's trying to justify it to Margo because she wants yeah. to one up Margo and say, look what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, the, the dialogue in this movie, and it is funny at times. I mean, I think this is possibly Noah Baumbach's least funny movie. I mean, on purpose, but there's a there's dark humor. In I it. got a lot of laughs, but I like dark humor. There's yeah. one point where the kids are talking about um, one of their mutual family friends' kids, and uh, Ingrid says, <laughs> Ingrid says to Claude, 
your mom thinks Bruce is gay. And he says, no, she said he has Asperger's. Right. <laughs> That's such a crazy <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah, I remember a lot of laughs in this, actually, to be honest. But, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it. What? I know. Can you you know didn't what? watch it in preparation for can the you, podcast? Can you believe it? At least I've seen it before. So, yeah. you know. When did you see it? In the theater. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with all of the positives that you were saying. I think watching it this time, I was maybe slightly less into it than I was initially because I had sort of the opposite expectation. Going into it the first time, I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit of a letdown. It's not going to be as good as his other films. And now I went into it remembering how much I had liked it the first time. And I did feel like it was maybe a little disjointed. It doesn't really end. It just kind of stops there at the end. And as much as it's okay that the characters are unlikable, it did it did feel like a bit more of a slog to me. I still think it's a very good movie, but I don't. It's not my favorite. Of uh, it took me two hours to watch it. That's yeah. I needed those breaks. That's right. how tense it made me. And um, does it really end? I feel like the way it ends, without giving away spoilers, ends on a character beat that makes sense for her. Yeah, and also leaves it to your imagination. But you could just see all the further drama that it's going to cause. Right. You know, I agree. I don't think it's a bad way to end, but it did feel like he just kind of ran out of stuff and thought, all right, this is, this is the way we're going to Do we stop. say how it ends? I guess people. Oh, we can. I mean, we were yeah. spoiling everything anyway, usually yeah. on here. So yeah, I mean, it ends and it's not like a big plot twist or anything. Uh, Claude is getting on a bus to go to Vermont. stay with his dad and his uh, brother who we never see. And Margot runs after the bus to get on it with him because right, they after, have to continue this codependent well, relationship. Right. But Claude has asked her to come somewhere to on the bus to the trip and she keeps refusing. Um, well, and what this means is uh, we've already found out that Malcolm's cheated on Pauline with uh, Maisie, the babysitter, and or they've just made out, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but, um, you know, uh, but then they reconcile. So the wedding, there is still going to be a wedding. But she just left. So right, she's you know, she's leaving. They're not. She's not going to attend the right. wedding. Neither of them are. And it kind of ends where you know. So she gets on the bus and she says, "Did you see how much running I did?" Right. Yeah. She wants him to be impressed. Yeah. And he yeah. Goes, I'm really out of breath, and that's about it. <laughs> like, yeah. so you know, pat me on the back again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not a bad ending, but it definitely. At the time I was watching it, this time I thought, "Oh, okay, I guess that's it." You know, I thought maybe there was going to be something more substantial there i don't know i think it fits the tone of the movie and you know i like that it's called margo at the wedding and there is no wedding right no i do like that too and i think that's better obviously they changed the name from nicole but rather than calling it at the beach i think it's at the wedding is a is a more fitting title for it because it it is really about the failures of these people and they fail to have or at least attend a wedding um failures exactly so what do we want to rate this out of uh, horrible childhood memories? <laughs> <laughs> I give it out of five horrible childhood memories, which really I don't have that many horrible childhood memories. It's from the teenage years on, okay. I'd say. I'm going to give it four out of five horrible yeah. childhood <laughs> memories. Uh, like I said, I gave it a four out of five when I first reviewed it. I was a little less into it this time, but I, I still think, especially even as we're talking about it, there's just so much effective stuff going on here. I will give it a four out of five this time as well and agree with you. It is a very good movie. It's an underrated movie in Bombbox canon. And if people have seen his other movies, I hope they'll check this one out too. And if you haven't, you should watch it anyway, because 
most movies that you see will have likable characters. That's true. Yeah, this movie does something that you won't see in other movies. And we'll come right back and talk a bit about the legacy of Margot at the Wedding. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. And in this episode of our season on the movies of 2007, we're talking about my personal pick, Margot at the Wedding, which is a movie that we both liked, possibly a potential personal pick for Jason as well. Yeah, this could have been. But I have a different movie coming we, out. We, that's true. You can stay tuned for that. So the legacy of this movie, because as we were saying, this is a kind of a forgotten movie. It doesn't have a huge legacy. No, I feel what's, you know, doing some research, some interesting things were that like Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee and Jack Black moved in together to get the um, relationship dynamics down. And if you're looking for a film with like awesome relationship dynamics uh this is one of them and i feel like every character's uh point of view is very crystallized so um i mean i get you know i was thinking about like the king of comedy did you ever see the king of comedy i actually haven't seen the king of comedy Dave, you ever see the king of comedy long 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 time ago i was hoping you'd say like yeah i watched it yesterday <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's not part of the podcast i watched it yesterday but i mean that now is getting a little more reverence over the time but that's one of these like lost uh scorsese classics where a lot of the characters are very very unlikable and i think over time um sometimes like that that movie is considered ahead of its time i'm not saying this movie is ahead of its time i'm saying over the years maybe people now that they know more about what bombback uh does and who he is uh it, it it deserves a little more reverence as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think if people are coming to his current movies, I mean, he's been working with Netflix lately on his last two movies. If people watch those and they like what they see, hopefully they'll go back and this will be one that they catch up with and not just uh, The Squid and the Whale or Greenberg or some of his more well-known acclaimed films. But I'd watch them all again anyway. Yeah, I would too. I mean, like I said before, he's one of my absolute favorite filmmakers and this isn't my favorite of his films, but... Uh, I do think it's very, very good. I think after this movie, which is his probably his bleakest, darkest film and least comedic, he took a turn into more. I mean, there's a lot of darkness in movies that he did after this still, but maybe more comedic, especially the movies that he made with Greta Gerwig, uh, Francis Ha and Mistress America, most notably. Well, the, Greenberg, right? She's also she's there. also. Yeah, I mean, so, she's in it. She wasn't the co-writer. Right. But, I mean, Greenberg, that, that character is as big as a son of a bitch as he's ever written but yeah. you have a character who plays against it who's likable as opposed to right. this where not really anyone's like yeah i mean even in greenberg and yes you're right the title character there is incredibly unlikable but it's about the contrast between him and other nicer people and this is the one movie where nobody is likable right maybe greenberg which was the one that kind of set him to that next stratosphere as a director and people are like oh he wrote a character that nobody likes maybe they had to take this appetizer to like be able to take that as the main course. Right. That is possible. And I think you can certainly see this. I mean, it's not necessarily an outlier in terms of his style. I mean, you can see a lot of what he does in this movie in his later films, and you can see a lot of his earlier films in this movie. Yeah. It, um, it works. Yeah, it does. It does. But I will say, yeah, my fa my favorite of his films is Mistress America. I do love. And, and interestingly enough, right, he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee when they made this movie and she's co-credited with the story on Greenberg, which then stars Greta Gerwig, 
who he ended up uh, and is currently as his his partner and uh, has collaborated with. Yeah, so, well, what will be really, and Greta Gerwig, we know, did Lady Bird. Yeah. What will be really interesting is the two of them recently signed on to uh, reboot the Barbie movie, right? Yeah, an odd choice for them. But but yeah, Bombach has also done, he is uh, the co-writer of one of the Madagascar movies. So he's done some of this like Hollywood work for hire stuff, which doesn't really have his personal stamp on it. Yeah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably have to see it, but it doesn't. I'm I'm much more enthused for Marriage Story than I am for Barbie. Um, legacy wise, I also wanted we mentioned a little bit earlier Jack Black and being taken seriously in a in a dramatic role, and I was curious what after this did he do that could be viewed that way? I got um, one. Yeah, D Train. D Train. Yeah, yeah, that is sort of a a movie that starts very silly and gets dark weirdly and, dark yeah and he, i i never saw king of polka but uh that's another one and then the and bernie bernie was the main one bernie and also uh don't worry he won't get far on foot oh, yeah, uh yeah, gus van zandt's biopic that stars he's the jack black is kind of a minor character in there but he has a whole arc as like an alcoholic who is just broken because he drives drunk and he causes this horrible accident that that harms people i know you didn't really care for that movie i didn't I, see it yeah i didn't but he's good in it but i would say the d train is worth seeing uh, about um a guy who's trying to get the uh, most famous guy in their class back for a uh, high school reunion yeah um and was that james marsden james marsden yeah. yeah well also one of the best things that james marsden right. has done, i think and bernie which is a link letter movie uh probably the most well-known of that bunch uh, about the um, man in the small town of Texas who was like a caretaker for Shirley MacLaine's yeah, character, Shirley MacLaine, and, yeah. an old you know socialite with a lot of money, and uh, he does a little murder on her. Yeah, and that's a great movie. I mean, and that movie is a great movie because the whole town is like behind him. Right, and right, and I think that movie, like this, it plays on the likability of Jack Black, where you come into the movie. And you, as soon as you see his face, you're like, oh, Jack Black. And then it subverts that a little. I'm going to give you one other thing you should look up from Jack Black. Yeah. He does, uh, you can YouTube it, a national anthem at a Lakers game that is so soulful and beautiful. Like, it's amazing. You're like, what? This is the Tenacious D guy? It's an incredible rendition of the national anthem. Wow. All right. Go Jack Black. Um, Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee, of course, had great careers leading up to this and have been taken seriously a lot in other movies. But I, I, I think this is a notable one for both of them in terms of really making use of all their talents. That's not necessarily always the case. Yeah. I think we like, this is a more out of character style performance from Kidman. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, I guess maybe I think maybe might have a little more range. Yeah. But um but Nicole Kidman, man, she she brings it hard. They both do in this film. They do, yeah. And I think Nicole Kidman is really good when she plays that kind of haughty, Removed. above it all. Yeah, exactly. That's really her strength. Yeah, and we saw that in, um, I didn't watch the second season, but Big Little Lies the first yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. You can see a lot of Margot in, in Big Little Lies. Um, and then it was interesting to me, I thought the kid actors in this movie were so good, and I was looking at what have they done since then, and none of them have really done anything, um, uh, acting-wise. Maisie, the girl who plays Maisie, what's yeah, her name? Yeah, uh, Haley Pfeiffer. She's a playwright and yeah, a TV writer, but not much She's done some indie stuff, yeah. but yeah. But yeah, smaller, I mean, I, I thought, oh, one of these people must be like a big yeah, a TV actor or something like that, and they, they really haven't. Yeah, Haley Pfeiffer, the daughter of Jules Pfeiffer, who of course is a legendary playwright, and she's had a lot of plays 
produced uh, on stage in New York and writes, I forget which, but for a few, few TV shows. So she's taken her career in a different direction. But yeah, I was, I thought all oh, these, these performances are all so good. And it just, they never really got to that level. Right. Cause you think back squid in the whale is the first, really the breakout of Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. He always works well with kids. I did notice, I remember in Squid of the Whale, like, wasn't there a big deal about uh, Jesse Eisenberg masturbating or something like that? Well, I mean, the character does. Right. Not not him personally, Josh. Oh, right. Yeah. But um, I, I, know I don't that, know. Yeah. In, the, in this movie, too, Claude, you know, for no reason, just tells Margot I masturbated last night. Yeah. And she says, yeah. You don't have to tell me these things. You have to wonder like, if that's one other Bombach hang up that he's Well, exploring. he's used it twice, right? Yeah. So you, you do wonder about it. Uh, that yeah. is the real legacy of this that movie. That is his masturbation. And discussion with his parents yeah. about masturbating. Um, and going back to Jack Black a little, uh, going forward from this movie, he's gotten a lot of good dramatic performances out of comedy actors. And we were talking about Ben Stiller and Greenberg, who he's worked with then multiple times. And your favorite guy, Adam Sandler, in uh, the Meyerowitz stories. Yeah, I do think, uh, uh, look, as a, as a teenage fanboy adam sandler guy from the classic sandler years and then watching the precipitous drop in the <laughs> filmmaking yeah first of all sandler's uh, comedy special that's on netflix from last year is great but also i will agree um he's really good in the Meyerowitz stories and uh i know they're collaborating again and i'm excited for that yeah i am not excited for anything that adam sandler does but i think if anyone's gonna get something good out of him i think it's it's noah bombach uh did you have any other Final thoughts on the legacy of Margot at the wedding? Um, maybe I should go see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And if it took Margot at the wedding to get you there, then whatever it takes. This this venture of ours, this awesome all been worth it. podcast. If it's affected one person, even if it's one of the co-hosts and creators of it, then it's all been worth it. Absolutely. Uh, so that's Margot at the wedding. And that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can catch us on social media. Yeah, awesome movie year on all the stuff. Awesome movie pod on Twitter, awesomemovieyear.com. Me, Jason Harris Comedy on all the stuff. Go for J or J Harris Comedy. Uh, and then uh, go for Jason.com. Tell Jason about your horrible childhood stories. I don't think I have the emotional capacity to really <laughs> want to hear them right now. You can find me on Twitter at SignalBleed and Facebook at Josh Bell Hates Everything. And you can go to joshbellhateseverything.com. And our producer, David Rosen, has his awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find that at piecingpod.com or wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can follow us on social media at piecingpod. What do we have next time, Jason? Next time, another film that relates to my childhood. <laughs> it's called Persepolis. It's our far film pick. And it is an animated feature about a young woman growing up in the Iranian revolutionary times of the 1980s. Much like Jason did. which. You know, a Jewish boy from North Jersey. Same story. <laughs> so tune in next time for Persepolis. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.